Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. you. How are we doing this morning? Blessed by the best. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm still fired up from Friday night. Man, the men's conference, men showed up. They showed up. We got some men of God. We got some men of God. We don't, we don't have to worry. I, I, think, I think gone are the days where we're going to have to worry if the men are going to show up. They're going to show up because they, they're hungry for the presence of God. Amen. It was such a beautiful thing to see, and I know Brother Angel already already gave all the shout-outs, and I just want to say thank you again to everybody who was supported in every in, in any way possible. We, we, we really appreciate it. Um, I haven't preached in two weeks. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were, we were in Cancun. We were, while y'all were here, uh, worshiping the Lord, I was, I was in spirit on, on the beach. Um, and then last week, uh, Pastor Alexa, she came. And uh, after our women's conference, she gave a word and praise the Lord for that. So I'm, I'm excited to preach. A preacher who can't preach is without purpose, right? Uh, so, so I want you, if you would, turn with me to the Gospel of John and go ahead and stand with me. John chapter 11, 1 through 15, we're going to read. And uh, if you were here in the Spanish service, and you're going to get a double portion today because this word, the, the word that Pastor Danny brought this morning is very, very similar. I was telling my wife, like, this is the same word. And, and God is just, I mean, when God wants to speak, he, he, he plans it out. Uh, Pastor, I, uh, Pastor Danny and I, we don't, we don't talk about what we're going to preach. You know, we, we're, we're just, we just hang out and we have a good time together. But we don't talk about what the sermon is going to be. And so when God, uh, I mean, I, I'm not even surprised by it anymore. Like, God just wants to say the same thing to his people. And so if you're there, give me a nice Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I love the Gospel of John. It is probably, this one in Romans, probably my favorite New Testament book. Um, I don't know, Acts is pretty good too, uh, in Hebrews. Actually, I don't know. Ephesians is pretty dope too. Uh, John, 1, uh, John 11, 1 through 15, it says, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus, Lazarus of Bethany, uh, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, uh, he said, The illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was, right? Very obvious, right? If you love somebody who you know is ill, you just wait another two days. Very good. Okay, down to verse 11. He said uh, to them, he uh, being Jesus and, and them being the disciples, he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he is asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking a rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word that you've spoken to your servant, my God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just be on my lips this morning, my God, that you would say everything that you want to say, not what I want to say, my God, and that you would give us ears to listen, Father God. 
not just to hear, but to listen and to take in your word, Father God, to consume it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. With that, you can be seated. I really just want to encourage you with this word today, church. And, and the name of the message today is, I'm glad it happened. Tell the person next to you, I'm glad it happened. You don't even know what the, it is. You're just glad it happened. I'm glad it happened. You know, we say all the, uh, all the time, this is a very Christian thing that we say, and it's, it's biblical. We say, God wants to take us from glory to glory. Right? We all believe that. God wants to take us from glory to glory. Now, we don't always apply that verse very well. Glory to glory doesn't mean that you go from one job to a better job or one level of income to another level of income. That's not really what Paul had in mind. He wasn't thinking about your job when he was talking, when he was talking about this and saying God wants to take us to glory and glory. It means that we are constantly being transformed into the glory of God as we represent Jesus more and more. That's what it means. In other words, the more we look at Jesus, the more we focus on Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. And therefore, the more that we become like Jesus, the closer we're getting to the image of God. Remember, remember something was lost in the Garden of Eden when, when man sinned. The glory of God was tainted in man. And so it needed to be restored, but the only one who could restore it was the perfect one, Jesus, who lives in every single one of us. And because of that, he gives us new life. And so going from glory to glory means we become more sanctified, more holy, more anointed, more pure. That's what it means to go from glory to glory. This is how, this is how you know that sometimes we can be so me-centric when it comes to the gospel. God wants to take me from glory to glory. That's true. But it's not about my glory. It's about his glory. God wants to give me a faith like Jesus. He wants to give me peace like Jesus. He wants to give me authority like Jesus. He wants to give me an anointing like Jesus. We are being transformed into the image of God the more we walk with Christ. That's what, that's what Paul meant by glory to glory. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to give you a raise, but that's not what he meant by glory. We're not trying to grow in this world. We need to want to grow from within, spiritually. We have, we have to stop being comfortable, church, with not growing. We have, to be, we have to stop being comfortable with that, with complacency. That is the thing that will kill the Christian spirit. I have been a Christian for more than 30 years and I've been faithful and I've learned how to be led in wisdom and, and in faith and in kindness. But man, I, I still got a lot to learn. I don't have it all figured out. I am still a work in progress. But you know what that suggests? It means that I'm progressing. If I'm a work in progress, that means I am progressing. There's some sisters, man, they, they've, been a, they, they've been a Christian for 15 years and they still got a potty mouth. And they're like... Pastor, forgive me. is because God is still working on me. I'm like, girl, you need to work on yourself, right? God already did the work in you. Now you got to be led by the Holy Spirit so that you can be transformed into the image of God. You're not a special case. God doesn't look at you and you're like, oh, what am I going to do with this one? We're a work in progress, which means we're constantly working to progress. And it's by, it's by the help and the strength of God that we're able to do that. I was on the phone with somebody recently 
talking to this man who was telling me all about his frustrations. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's just frustrated with life. There's a lot that he's going through and just kind of feels hopeless for, for in this moment. Um, and sometimes you, we get there, right? We feel stuck. Sometimes it feels like we're not advancing spiritually. And I told this man, I said, I want you to look, I want you to look at yourself one year ago. Could you say that you would react to what you're going through today the same way back then? Would you be coming to church? Would you be reading your word? Would you be reaching out to your pastor like you're doing right now? He said, nope, not at all. I said, that's progress. That's sanctification. God is moving the needle. He's moving you from glory to glory to glory. It might not be noticeable because they're baby steps, but they're steps. You are a work in progress. And there's, there's things that we read about Jesus saying in the Gospels that make us go, why did he say that? Why did he do it like that? If, if you haven't questioned Jesus at some point in your life, you might need to get a little bit closer. Right? Because, because the closer you get to Jesus, the more he reveals of, of himself. And the more he reveals of himself, the, the more that we don't understand it first. God, I mean, Jesus does some weird things. Some weird things. He, he, he makes mud, puts it in the eyes. Like, if Jesus was telling me, just, just don't, don't question it, right? I, I mean, what are you doing, Jesus? The closer you get to Jesus, the, the more he does things that we don't really understand. And Jesus would constantly reveal these mysteries about himself, about the kingdom of God. And everyone around him would be like, what, what is he talking about? They wouldn't understand and so the more we get connected to Christ, the more we are being challenged. Somebody say that word, challenged. Jesus is going to challenge you. I, I, I talk to men who say, Pastor, I don't understand why I'm going through all of this right now. I have no idea. I'm finally getting right with God. I'm, I'm bringing my family to church. I'm reading my word. I'm doing everything right. I don't understand why this is happening. What if God is trying to reshape the way that you think? Because your mind has been corrupted by the world. It's been corrupted by culture, by society, by what people say, by what you watch, by Hollywood. So God is trying to reshape the way that you think about what you're going through. What if it's not even about what you're going through? It's about how you respond to what you're going through. Y'all didn't hear me. What, 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 if it's, what if it's less about what's in your bank account and more about the way you praise when there's nothing in your bank account? What if it's about that? Maybe you're asking God the wrong thing. God, increase my bank account. Maybe you should be saying, God, how can I worship you in this moment of nothing? The more we are transformed into the image of God, glory to glory, the more unfamiliar territories we enter. Because in order to be transformed, our current state has to be challenged. Oh man, it, 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 it sucks to be stretched. It doesn't feel good. It's not pleasant. It's not, it's not cool to be challenged. We don't, we, it's very uncomfortable. And yet, if God is going to take you to glory to glory, he has to do it. And so, where am I going with all this? We're talking about the death of Lazarus and the way that Jesus responds to it. Just imagine being with Jesus one day. You're hanging out with him. And then the news is sent to you that a friend of yours has died. If you've ever lost anybody that you're really close to, it, it, it's the worst. 
I still remember 2020, my, my cousin Bobby, he suddenly died. And if you knew Bobby, you knew how much he meant to me. I mean, this is my best friend, my best man at my wedding. More than a cousin, he was a brother. And I remember it was Saturday morning, uh, 2020. I had my girls with me at the house. Uh, my wife, she had to work that day. And I remember getting a call from my dad. And my dad, I mean, he, he couldn't say any words. All he was doing was crying. And of, of course, I immediately go, did something happen to my mom? Did something happen to one of my sisters? And then he finally gets the words out. And he said, Bobby's dead. And then he finally gets the words out. And, he said, and I remember collapsing on the couch. And tears just rushed my, my, my eyes and and I, I remember Layla was there watching me cry. She didn't really understand what was going on. And then I remember hanging up the phone. I called my wife. She was at work. And, and I couldn't say any words because I was just, I, I, I couldn't, I was just crying. And of course, she thinks, okay, something happened to the girls. And I finally tell her, my cousin, Bobby, he died. The, the most devastating day of my life. It really was. When you hear of somebody dying, the human thing to do is react in a human way. And, and, and maybe you don't know the person very well. Maybe it's you know, somebody that you know, um, but you're not really close with. When you hear of someone's passing, the natural thing to do is what? Show a little bit of sympathy. Show some respect. You console the person next to you. You have a moment of silence. You say, hey, I'm here for you. I'm sorry for your life. You, you pray with them. Jesus doesn't do anything related to normalcy. What does he do? He, he says, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad I was not there. That sounds like a horrible thing to say. I mean, imagine. <laughs> because everybody knows that had Jesus been there, he would have probably healed Lazarus. And so what it seems like you're saying, Jesus, is you're glad that he died. And then if you, take, if you take a look at the original word, the Greek word, the better translation is I rejoice. I rejoice that I was not there. So this is a verb. This is a thing that Jesus is actually doing at the moment he's saying these words. I am rejoicing right now that I wasn't there. And then he adds the word that is so common to the gospel of John. John uses it 92 times more than in any other gospel. He says, so that you may believe. Jesus is about to challenge the way the disciples see tragedy to transform their faith. He's taking them from glory to glory. You might be scratching your head. You're like, Pastor, but didn't the disciples already have faith? Didn't they already believe in who he was? Yes, they did. But Jesus is calling them to a whole new realm of faith, a faith that they've never seen before. How many of you know that your faith can still grow? Your faith can still grow. Hasn't peaked yet. There's no, there's no peaking in faith. Last year I prayed, God, increase my faith. I made that mistake. I'll never make it again. Man, I'm serious. Because I, I remember praying, God, God, give me more faith. And then God took me through a season of faith testing. I mean, goodness. I mean, be careful. Be careful with the things that you ask for. Lord, give me peace. You think he's just going to give you peace? No, he ain't going to give you peace. He's going to give you a storm. 
He's going to give you chaos. He's going to give you everything that is not peace to bring out the peace from within you. I'm just going to give it to you. And no hangouts in the kingdom of God. He's going to make you work for it. Lord, give me patience. God is going to give you kids. I'm done asking for patience. See, these are the things. Let me tell you something, church. These are the things that God truly cares about. He'll answer the prayer, God, increase my faith faster than he'll answer the prayer, Lord, give me a raise. Because the raise doesn't get you any closer to the image of God, but increased faith does. Increased peace does. Increased increase patience. It does. Those are fruits of the Spirit. That, that's what God is trying to make grow in you. I don't, care. I don't care if you take a pay cut. But if your faith is grown, that's progress. That's new glory. That's new glory. You call glory a raise, but no, a glory is new faith. Glory, glory is restored anointing. Glory is more peace. Jesus wanted to take their faith to the next level. And he was going to do it through tragedy. So he says, I'm glad it happened. This, this is also a concept that the Apostle Paul picks up on towards the end of his ministry when he's writing, he's writing from prison. And he's writing to the Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. It's so important that he has to say it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, Read it again. Rejoice. Now, Philippians is a letter that Paul writes from prison to to a church that is sad for him. Paul to them was a pastor. He was a founding pastor. He was a mentor. He was a teacher. Our brother Paul is in prison. Think about if I was in prison. I hope that you would be a little sad, right? I hope that you wouldn't be too happy. But think about it. Think about somebody that that you love is in prison. And Paul is saying, rejoice. The prisoner is saying, rejoice. Not even the ones who are free. The prisoner is saying, I rejoice. And he says, says, for I have learned in whatever situation that I am in to be content. Somebody say the word learn. Learn. Say say it again. Learn. Learn. Some of us don't like to learn things. Mm -mm, mm -mm. We think we got all the answers. We want to be the teachers. We don't want to be the learners. The Apostle Paul says, I have learned to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to rejoice is the same thing as being glad. It's the same word. And so Paul is saying in every situation, in every season, whatever happens... Our spirit posture should say, I'm glad. I rejoice in this moment. I rejoice into this moment. I rejoice through this moment. I will rejoice when I walk out of this moment. I will always be glad. I I need need you to get this today, church. Because, look, some of you have walked into the room today and you are anything but glad. You are downcast. You are angry, you are resentful, you are sorrowful. There is no joy in you. But God is telling his children who are found in his will, one day you will look back at this moment and you'll say, ah, that's what God was doing. He was actually working through the season that I thought he was silent. God is working something out in your spirit and he's trying to call something out. He's trying to revive something in you 
to take you to the next level of glory. Rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice, church, in the good. Rejoice in the bad. Rejoice in the loss. Rejoice in the victories. Rejoice in the brokenness. Rejoice in the brokenness. Rejoice. 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 You know, we have something that this world does not have. You know what that is? Yes, but not the answer I was looking for. Hope. We have hope. We always have something to look forward to. The world cannot say the same. Once, once that's it in this life, that's it. We, we look beyond this life. This is why Paul says we don't grieve like the world grieves. We have hope. Those of us who belong to God, we're being sanctified by the Spirit. We're being led by the Spirit. We're being tested by the Spirit. We belong to God. And everything that happens in life, you know, it, not everything might be directly because of God. But it's the reaction. It's the way that you deal with it. It's the way that you think about it. It's the way that you carry yourself through it. That's all the work of the Holy Spirit, taking you from glory to glory to glory to glory. And can I just testify and tell you that I, you know, I don't respond to stress the way that I used to. I think maybe my wife says differently. <laughs> but man, stress would make me so frustrated, make me so frantic. I would, I'd be short-tempered. I'd take it out on the people that were closest to me. That would happen to be my wife and my children. And I'd be anxious. <laughs> and God, God had to take me through some stressful seasons so that I learned how to live more peacefully. So, some things came into my life that, again, perhaps weren't God making them happen, but through the process, he was teaching me how to trust in him just a little bit more. And I remember saying to God recently, I said, Lord, thank you for that season that when I was in, I was praying you would get me out of. I said, Lord, looking back today, I'm glad it happened. I'd have it no other way. You knew what you were doing. I'm glad it happened because had it not happened, I wouldn't be standing here today with the transformed faith and peace and trust. I'm glad it happened. See, it's not always, church, it's not always about what you're going through. It's about the lesson to be learned through what you're going through. That's what it's about. And I know that I'm preaching to somebody today because I've, I've heard your heart. I mean, I've sat down with many of you and I've listened to some of the things that you're going through, and I don't want to minimize any of that because some of it is really, really heavy stuff. And, and you know, there, there are times where I meet with a person, and I feel so defeated that I have to say, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if you ever experienced that, Dad. I don't know what to tell you. Pastors, I don't know if you ever experienced like. Because, you know, I, I, I feel, I'm, not, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on the spirit. But I, I truly believe that God chooses to use me a lot in the area of wisdom. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on the spirit because I know who I am. I'm Ryan Cito. I am the guy who at Christmas time, none of his cousins wanted to sit next to him because I'd be the guy that spilled the Sprite. Right? <laughs> there's, I know who I am. Nothing special about me. So... So there's, there, there's times where I'm doing pastoral counseling and God gives me just the thing to say. And afterwards, I'm like, man, Holy Spirit, you did the thing. And then there's other times where I have no idea what to say. 
I said, I don't know what to tell you. And it, it, it kind of comes off like it's like if I'm just being dismissive or I just don't care. But I truly, I'm not going to just make something up. I don't know what to tell you. And after I, I started to think about that more and more, I realized maybe, maybe I say that because it, it, God's not trying to get them out of what they're going through. He's trying to teach them something through what they're going to. I don't know what to tell you right now because you haven't learned the lesson yet. You have to go through it. This is, this is, this is not a predictive thing. This is something that you're going to look back and say, man, I had to go through it. And, you know, there's a time to say, Lord, get me out of this. And there are the other times where we say, we have to say, Lord, I'm here. I'm in the wilderness. I'm in the desert. What does your spirit want to teach me? You know, Paul didn't say when I was broke, I knew how to flip the switch. He didn't say when I was in need, I knew how to stop being in need. No, he said, I learned how to get through it. I knew how to get through my brokenness, my poverty, my hunger. I learned it. And see, people of God, we're very good at crying out to God. We're good at that. We, we, we know how to pray. We know how to battle. Our men's conference was not quiet. We weren't, we weren't quiet. We were louder than some of the ladies. That's hard. Because we're in a Hispanic church with the Latinas, bro. And our worship, man, it was, it was never a silent moment. And if you were here during the altar call, I mean, he had men praying for one another, lifting each other up, calling things out, holding each other accountable, man, binding, rebuking. It was beautiful. And I think we all know how to do that. We know how to engage in the offense, the prayer, the rebuking, the, the, the binding. And, and we think that if we just, we pray enough and we have enough faith that we're going to get the results that we want. But what if we're praying, Lord, get me out of this season. And God has said, I'm not going to get you out of this season, but I'll teach you something. While you're in it. That takes a whole different type of prayer. That takes pausing. That takes us being still and quiet before the presence of God. It says, Lord, it takes us saying, God, speak in the midst of all of this. Can I say something that's not very Pentecostal friendly? Sometimes God doesn't heal the cancer. Is that a lack of faith or is that, is that just the truth? Sometimes, because I know people who died of cancer who had all the faith in the world. Sometimes God doesn't heal the cancer. And so, you know, we, 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 we look at it and we're like, well, well that sister, she, she got her healing. She got her miracle. Why didn't I? It could be because even though the situation looks identical, the lesson is different. Maybe God wanted to teach sister over here healing. He wanted to reveal himself as Jehovah Rapha. He wanted to manifest the healing power so that she would know. But maybe for you it's different. Maybe for you the lesson is having faith. Trust in me. My grace is sufficient. The what is the same. The lesson is different. The thing is, we don't want lessons. We want remedies. We want solutions. We want healings, we want provision, we want physical blessing, but God is trying to transform us into his image. And in order to do that, there are lessons that have to be learned. Paul said, I learned, I learned it how to be content. In every situation, whether I had plenty, whether I had nothing, there was always something 
to learn, and so I rejoice. And I believe, church, that there's, there's, there's going to be a day where many of you are going to be thanking God for the season that he allowed you to go through. Because in that season, you leveled up. You matured. You went to a new dimension of glory that maybe at the time was uncomfortable, but God was trying to teach you something. He was teaching you something. I'm, I'm always inspired by a brother, Mikey. I call him street reverend. Street preacher. Because he can strike up a conversation with anyone from the streets and he's able to relate to them. The other, the other day, after our men's uh, Monday night discipleship, there was a guy coming, coming riding on his bike. And brother and Mikey just stopped him and he talked to him for like 30 minutes and ministered to him. And, and then he got him in his car. And he, bro, if I were me, I'd be like, bro, he might have a gun, bro, right? <laughs> but he, I mean, that, he, he's able to relate to them in a way that I, I, could, I could never you know, I, I, I claim Northside just to sound like a G. You know, like I grew up in the streets of Northside, but in reality, I grew up like Spring Woodlands, you know. That's North, but not North. And Mikey, Brother Mikey's brought so many people to Numa, resulting, he's not just bringing them in, he brings them to the altars. Man, I love that. I love the way he talks. My pastor is my boy, man. He's going for this right now. Come on, can you pray for him for a little bit? I love it. I love it. And it's resulted in so many transformed lives. Amen. But, but, but look at what he had to, look, look at his past. He had to, he, I'm sure life in the hood wasn't always easy. I, I know this, right? We relate. <laughs> Brother Mikey, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe you, you did some things that you, you, you regretted, but, but you learned some things in the streets that make you valuable to the kingdom. A lot, of, a lot of people have gone through marital struggles that taught you how to communicate better as a spouse. Taught you how to keep God at the center of your relationship. And so maybe your one struggle as a married, as a married couple can help so many other couples. Some of you have been through things with, with, uh, where you finally got out of them. And maybe you walked a little bit with a limp because it hurt, but you also came out with a lesson. There was a limp, but there was also a lesson. I hope you're getting it, man. I hope you're getting it. Paul tells a man, a woman of God, rejoice because in everything there is a lesson. In everything there is a new dimension of glory to be discovered. Therefore, be glad it's happening. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, John makes note that Jesus stayed another two days in the place where he was. I got to admit... Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the pastor of pastors. This is not very pastoral of him. If Jesus were to attend a pastor's conference, they would give him like an X. Because pastoral protocol, when you hear that someone is ill and about to die, you drop everything to go and be with them in the family. I, I was terrified. When, when, when I got the news that Brother George was in the ICU, Melissa and I, we went to go see him as soon as we could. Praise God, he's home. He came home on Friday. And continue to pray for him as he recovers. 
But that's a pastoral thing to do if someone is sick to the point of near death. You go and see them. Jesus didn't do that. See, because Jesus didn't really care so much about the what. He cared more about the lesson. Look at verse 4 again. It says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And verse 6 says, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Back in Bethany, Mary and Martha, they were the, 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 the sisters of Lazarus. They're probably losing their minds. Losing their minds. Just like if, you know, Alexa and Ashley were to found out that I died, they'd probably be going nuts. Right? They wouldn't know what to do. There's no purpose without Big Brother. Mary and Martha are going crazy. They're going crazy. If Jesus were here, he could have fixed all this. He could fix all of this. And so what do they do? They send one of their servants out to send a message to Jesus. Go. I want you to tell Jesus uh, that, that, that we are in need of him. So the servant goes, finds Jesus. Jesus, the man whom you love, Lazarus. Remember, you love him. This is your friend. They love you. Y'all got a good relationship. He's sick. Please come. We need you here. Now, Jesus says, all right, bet I'll be there in about four days. He's going to leave in two days. It takes about two days to get there. Jesus was in no rush to do their miracle. Why? Because he didn't intend to do their miracle. Jesus was going to do another miracle that would make them say, oh, snap, I'm glad Jesus didn't do the first miracle because this miracle is way better and way cooler and the results are better than I could have ever imagined. Somebody say, God's got other plans. You got to believe that. Oh, you got to believe that. I mean, if you are walking in the will of God, if you are walking in the plan of God, if you are walking in the purpose of God, that means that God is guiding you. You're doing everything right. You're doing all right. And so with the prayer that you're praying, God is, is delaying. Maybe there's something else coming your way. You just got to wait for it. And I want you to know something. I'm going to have the worship team come up. I want you to know that there is nothing wrong with the way that Mary and Martha went about this. Nothing. They handled this situation just like any of us would. They were full of faith. They believed in the healing power of God. And so they rushed to get Jesus to the scene. Jesus, we need the miracle now. This is how we should pray. Right? This is the way that we should pray. God, we need, we need bold prayer warriors who aren't afraid to ask God of anything. I just preached the, the other week the struggle where, where, where Jacob is demanding his blessing from God. God, I need that blessing now. Mary and Martha were not at fault in any way. They had, they had their faith in who Jesus was, but Jesus wanted to teach their faith another lesson that would take it to a new dimension of glory. And so later on, when Jesus finally gets to Mary and Martha, by this time, Lazarus had been dead. It's been four days. And they see Jesus. And what do they say? Had you been here, had you been here, our brother would not have died. Remember just a few verses ago, he tells the disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because had Jesus been there, it would have been just another miracle for those who already believed in his power. And that's great. Lazarus would have been healed. But Jesus had other plans. And so verse 38, go with me. It says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. 
And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? See, this isn't just about the glory that Martha had already seen. She's already seen. Let me ask you, how many of us have seen the glory of God manifest in our lives? Come on, we've we've seen it. If you're saved by grace, that is the glory of God. That is the glory of God transforming you. We've all seen the glory of God. Mary and Martha, they have seen already the glory of God. Why is it that Jesus is saying you would see the glory of God? Martha, Martha is a hardcore believer. Martha is just, just a few verses before that she professes Jesus as the son of God. I think besides Peter, she's the only one in the New Testament to do that. To, to say the words, you are the son of God. Martha, she has seen the glory of God. But Jesus was about to elevate it. He's about to make her see something that she never thought was even possible. You know, we often want God to meet our expectations. But God is a God who exceeds expectations. We ask God to do things that are possible, but my God does things that are impossible. Things that we never even thought to ask for because it's just not normal. Jesus said, you're about to see some new glory today, Martha. You're about, to see, you're about to see something different today that your eyes have never witnessed that you thought was never possible. But because you already believe, you already have the faith, it's going to catapult you to a new dimension of glory. Verse 41 says, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Somebody's in a coma, and the doctor says, I can't, can't hear you. I'm just being real. I can't hear you. So this is a whole, this is a whole other degree of I can't hear because he's dead. Jesus I can't hear you. Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, sir. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips. And his face wrapped with a closet. Jesus said to them, unbind him. Let him go. Verse 45 is key to all of this. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary had seen what he did and believed. I'm almost done. Mary and Martha said, Lord, had you been here, our brother would not have died. I I want you to to stay with me. I got your attention. Had you been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus said, I'm glad I was not there because had I been there, Martha, none of these Jewish unbelievers would have been there to console you. There would be no reason for them to gather at your house. To send their little pandulce 
and make the little cafecito and sit down with you and, and tell you it's going to be okay. I'm here for you. Had Lazarus not died, they would still be dead. They would not have witnessed the power of God right before their eyes. And had they not seen the power of God before their eyes, it would still be dead in the trespasses of their sins. So Mary and Martha, you know what? I'm glad I was not there. I'm glad I didn't respond to your request to get there on time. I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I, I'm glad I know that my timing is a little bit better than your timing. I, I'm glad that I have the plans to make everything work. I like to think that some of the Jews who came to console Mary were close friends, maybe even some relatives. Because that's what happens when somebody passes away. It's, it's, it's the people that are close to you that come together. And so Jesus sent the message to Mary and Martha, I love you so much that I let your brother die so that your friends can come into fellowship with me. So now your brother is alive, but so is your homeboy who lives down the street just witnessed the power of God. So is your Thea that lives down the block because she had been a skeptic for years. But now she has seen my power. Aren't you glad that it happened? Aren't you glad that I didn't answer the prayer on your time? Aren't you glad that my ways are higher? My ways are better. My thoughts are bigger. Aren't you glad? information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.